고민해 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 Welcome to the Punks in Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird. It's still the same name. It's been a while, so I say it again, Liam Bird. This is the Punks in Pubs podcast. It's good to be back. It's good to be back in a pub like we've got for this interview. To be precise, we were at the Fighting Cox in Kingston, southwest London, with a man named Jack Wilson. He is the lead vocalist of the band Kid Capici. we get to the interview i want to quickly off the bat say if you are an independent artist or if you've got wares to sell and you want some free promotion i'm looking for people to promote their shit at the top of this episode of this podcast um, so if that's something you're interested in get in contact with me punksandpubs at gmail.com it's kind of my way that i can promote the punk community on a podcast that reaches a lot of people so uh if you're interested hit me up on the emails and uh, we'll see what we can do but let's get back to my chat with jack wilson so I met up with Jack a few hours before he was about to hit the stage at his record release show promoting the album, their new album, Here's What You Could Have Won, available now in all good record shops. Um, That was my advert voice. If anyone wants to book me, it was pretty bad, so uh, I'm not going to hang around by my phone. So me and Jack were outside in the beer garden, and you will hear Jack talk about his upbringing in the coastal town of Hastings and its DIY scene. Jack talks about how the British punk band Slaves in his opinion, open the door to mainstream success for bands like his. And he also gets uh, some things off his chest about a band in particular who has been labelled punk, but in his belief, and also mine, has no right to uh, be placed under that banner. I'll be back at the end, but before that, enjoy this. This is my chat with Jack Wilson. If you want to play a fun game, try and guess the band that we're talking about that has absolutely no place in punk. If you get it right before you hear it, uh, gold star. Let us know. I'll send you a sticker. He's walking and he's talking. He's this and that. He's got places to be. And you know he poses like Moses as the people round him pile like they're the sea.
any of you ever. You get bought a beer and <laughs> cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Close to the mouth sort of mic. However you want it. Cool. Thanks for joining me. This is one of the very few that I've done actually in a pub. Oh, really? For a while, mainly because obviously COVID yeah. is a thing. People are freaking out about it, rightly so. Lose money if you don't do gigs. I mean, how, how have you been feeling about doing this, this fucking mood light going on as I well? I know, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like a prodigy gig or something going on right now. I mean, how, how have you felt about like this whole time coming back? It's like now, what, a year and a bit? out of it I mean how, how are you feeling we feel great to be back like it's we're a live band and like I think you know you haven't you can listen to us on CD or record or whatever but I feel like you haven't really experienced us until you've seen us live so for us it, it's been like extremely necessary to get back out there and we've like cherished every moment since we've been back and it's, it's been nice it's, it's, it's like it's nice to have a little reminder every now and then of what you can have taken away so it's, it's it's been like a refreshing thing in some ways if i'm looking at it in a positive light it's but it's just been amazing to get back and we've we've loved every second as we talk today it is record release eve for, for you um here what you could have won here's what you could have won yep. fuck that up uh it's, it's all right it's audio i can i can cut Dude, it out we were on radio one the other day and jack saunders said it wrong about eight thousand times so I am going to swap your mic because yep. your mic cut out there and I don't I want it to happen. Hello, hello. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll use this one. Uh, you're more important. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> so the album comes out on Thursday the 22nd of October, which is tomorrow. It uh, comes out on Friday the 23rd, which is tomorrow. Oh, fuck that up again. <laughs> Essentially, my question is, I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel, get nervous or is it like, it's going out? I uh, mean, can't stop it now. Yeah, I think like sometimes we get nervous if we think the, song, like, the album we're putting out is rubbish. But I think this is the most... Uh, like sometimes when you put out a single and you're not fully into it, like um, you can get nervous then. Um, but definitely not nervous about this. Very excited um, to finally get it out, you know. And also we've 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 had it for a year and a half. Like you know, with the songs have been written for so long, like we smashed it out and we got it done so quickly. And we've had the finished product, like mixed, mastered, everything for for like six months. So for us, it's it's old, and we want to get it out there as quick as possible. So yeah, very excited for it to finally be birthed into the into the ether. Well, I, I've been fortunate enough to be one of those media wankers who've had it for a couple of weeks now. Oh, and nice! And I've listened to it. I've really enjoyed it. So definitely go get it up and get a physical copy, if if you can. But was there was there a point when? The Queen was dead, and you're going, fuck, she's going to yep. fuck this up. Yeah, 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 yeah. My whole <laughs> life is just uh, basically the royal family fucking me over. So, uh, no, I like, you know, it's, it's sad, and, like, when anyone dies, it's sad. And if you want to, like, I will never tell people how to mourn or not mourn. Obviously, I'm not a fan of the royal family or that sort of archaic uh, tradition in any way. But, yeah, there was a moment, literally the day she died, I was sitting there with my, with my girlfriend looking at dates on my phone going, when is this going to land? When is she going to, when's the funeral going to be? Oh shit, it's going to be on the day that we release the album, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we were all freaking out. Like Eddie and Ben were at the Mercury's and George were at the Mercury's with the Nova Twins and they literally were like five minutes away from starting the show and it just got, the plug got pulled. So <laughs> it was like, it was, it was a mental night. Um, but yeah, I was selfishly very worried about that. I mean, you kind of touched on it. I mean, the UK has been in like a, a monarchy kind of wet dream of, of the past couple of weeks. And it has been weird. But I'm kind of interested to think about, and this is going to sound creepy, but 
you've spoken about it. Your grandparents are from Cyprus, yeah, are. which is obviously a former colony of the British Empire. Yeah. How do you think your grandparents would have found this kind of pageantry and, and the over-top kind of possession of this woman just yeah. dying? Yeah, well, my grandparents are more hardcore than I, were, than I am. They're more left than I am. They're more like... Uh, my granddad was a communist, and he uh, was like did a lot of work for the communist party as well. So I think he would think this was absolute bullshit. I think I probably learned a lot from them, and they're more rock and roll than I'll ever be. Um, so I think they would be quietly muttering away in Greek about uh, how stupid <laughs> this all is. This all is at the moment. Yeah. Do you think they would have gone out on protest though if they had the opportunity? If they were maybe. 30 years younger, I imagine they would have. <laughs> but they would have been uh, doing their own form of protest in, in, their, in their bungalow. <laughs> in the bungalow, I love that. <laughs> I mean, the reason I knew about that is because you wrote uh, a kind of open letter about the Nationals and Borders Bill. Yes. Uh, and spoke about like how important immigration is to you and and that you, you, you yourself grew up with, with immigrants in your house. Yeah. Is that kind of where your politics came from, was from your grandparents and your mm. parents ingraining and you going, like, politics is important. It's yeah, I, I would say so. I would say it was never forced upon me. I'd say it was just from lived experience, um, growing up with, you know, immigrant, uh, and this is on both sides as well. My, my, my dad's uh, parents are Italian as well. So um, growing up with immigrant family basically and and also uh, like like you said having uh we we looked after immigrants as well like asylum seekers so it massively has influenced everything about the way i feel about things and you know i'm lucky enough to be in a band with three other people who feel the same and i think you know we live on a we live on a coastal town immigration is a talking point especially when you're in the south and you're closest you know we're closer to france than we are to like london well, Amber Rudd was your MP, who was former Home Secretary yeah. of the United Kingdom. Yeah, so. she was awful, absolutely awful. Like we got, we got shafted there like so many times. She won like by three hundred seats in the end, or something. But it's, it's a difficult one in Hastings because we're linked with a, a town next to us called Rye, and. Rye is like uber conservative, and that tips us over every time. So, if you visit Hastings, it's the most like left city left town sorry city it's the left town most left town you could imagine but somehow we're blue every year and it's uh, it's very confusing i mean what's it like growing up in hastings because like you kind of touched on it a lot of coastal towns are leaning kind of right wing mainly because they've been forgotten about yeah. by like inner in, in the inner country and and it's kind of stereotypically people go there for the summer and then fuck off for the winter and it yeah. can be quite a brutal place to, to live. I mean, yeah, how absolutely. Was it? Yeah, well, I would say that was an accurate description. Hastings has become somewhere, like, when I was growing up there, it was rough. Like, it was, it was, you know, it, not a place you would walk around at night, like, not somewhere you would go out on your own and, like, have a good time. And now it's, it's, it's suffering from a new disease and that's of, like, a massive inflation and house prices going through the roof. And during COVID, everyone realising they don't need to live in their one-bedroom flat in London anymore to go to work. They can sell it for, like, two million and come move to Hastings and buy a castle. Um, so that's what's been going on in Hastings at the moment. So it's a whole new level of, uh, like, disparity. But it's, it's a really nice place to be, and, and the people are amazing. Like, I can't, I can't big up Hastings for the people enough. Like, their support is unreal, and they've... You know, every success we have has been felt like a success for the town. Um, so we, we love being from Hastings and we, we, you know, we, I think it's probably the biggest inspiration behind or motivation behind 
the lyrics and the songs because they're directly felt and uh, witnessed with our friends, family, loved ones, everything. We see it every day. So it's, Hastings is a big part of us and what we stand for, really. I grew up in a town called Newark in Nottinghamshire. And yeah. It's kind of like Hastings, where it's this like historical history. It's got a castle and all that shit. But alongside it is abject poverty. Yeah. And I've always kind of been proud of, even though I left that fucking place as quickly as possible, I don't have the love that you have for your yeah. hometown. But I do see it as I'm so proud of the upbringing I had because it's allowed me to have an attitude whereabouts if I come to like a metropolitan city whereabouts fucking people believe that avocado toast is the most basic thing. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, fuck off, mate. What are you yeah. talking about? I mean, is that the same thing that you feel like you've got from Hastings and also like in the music industry, do you think kind of coming from a town whereabouts, I don't know Hastings at all, mm. but I'm going to presume it's quite a DIY 100% like internal yeah. kind of music industry. Do you think that's kind of carried you along as the bands got bigger and bigger? Where actually gone, we know the DIY ethics mm. of how to create a band. Yeah. We don't listen to your corporate bullshit. We know no, what we're doing. 100%. It's, it's grounded us. Like, it sounds like that's what you're saying, you know, like it grounds you when you come from a place like that, whether you stay or whether you leave, it, it grounds you. So when you go to these big cities and stuff, you can see the bullshit and you can see the fakers and you can see the, you know, the, the inequality and what's unfair and you know that yeah you might think you work really hard and I'm sure you do work really hard but the problem is is that people often aren't given a chance to work hard and that's all we're saying you know it's not a case of putting people down and saying you don't do anything you don't deserve this like you've been given opportunities because you were lucky enough to be given those opportunities and most people aren't so it's a massively grounding thing to come from a place like that um, and it has pushed us, you know. It's it, Like you say, Hastings, you, you got it right, it's a very DIY place, and we've always taken a very DIY approach, and our first album was recorded, produced, mixed, and everything by ourselves. And we did that because we knew that if we didn't, no one would care, and we'd just fizzle out, and it would, that would be the end of the band that no one ever knew. So it was we, we did that, and then that gave us a launch pad to do what we've done with album two and like get signed by a major label and stuff and it's and it and it's a talking point because when you when you speak to magazines and stuff they always are like you know it feels like you were determined to succeed and you weren't gonna let everything that was against you from being from that small town do that you know sort of thing and so it's it's i wouldn't say that we've done well because we're talented i would say we've done well because we just were relentless and we wouldn't give up do you find it quite insulting that when the like, like media go, oh, a band from Hastings, how, how could they possibly yeah. make it to the mainstream? <laughs> you, you live down there. Yeah. Like. I don't find it insulting, I find it funny. Uh, and I kind of agree with them because it is hard, <laughs> it is hard. Like, you know, it's like, it's like it, it, down the A21, the road that leads from London to Hastings, it's, it's a one-way sort of vibe and, it's, and, it's, and it, it takes time for like, it to drip down from from the culture of the you know the rest of England to drip down to us but it also you're then trying to force that drip back up the pipe you know so I think we've done we've done a cool thing because it's like I feel like at the moment there's been such a revival in this whole punk scene um, and I think that is coming from these these like side B towns, you know what I mean? Like the, the reserve bench of England, yeah. like it's coming from there because it's real and you can't fake it with this music. Like if you're writing punk music, you cannot fake it. You can smell it a mile off. Well, you know, some, some people get away with it. Um, 
But <laughs> I like, mean, feel free to name uh, and I just, stop it. Yeah, I, I already got in trouble the other day for this. So. <laughs> but you know, like you can tell when it's like some yuppie band of like, you know, oh, woe is me, you know. Um, it's like no one forced you to move out of your mansion. Do you know what I mean? Your, your mum and dad didn't make you leave, you chose to. Whereas like the real music that's coming out of England right now with this sort of music, um, this, this genre is coming from these you know, peripheral cities and towns and stuff. And I think that's amazing. I think you're going to see a lot more of that, especially in these times where things are so tough and it feels like the 80s or something, you know, it feels, or it feels like, you know, Thatcher. Um, and you're seeing a lot more of that. So it's, it's something to be proud of for me when they say like, oh, you know, they make a point of saying from Hastings, like, wow, it's like, that is true because <laughs> it is hard. I mean, we do have Thatcher Light now, so yeah, exactly. Is, uh, That's exactly it. It's a weird situation we're in. Welcome to the new world, the new England. Come witness the greatness of Britain. Driving around in a German car. Stop for lunch in a sushi bar. Get my news from the Daily Star. Get my kicks from the tits and asses. Never mind about social classes. I'll cast my vote regardless. Is it you can't change all that? To the new world, the new England All heroes, no villains Double-decker bus and a bowler Bob the Builder, Postman Pat Social change, no I don't want that Just sitting eating crisps in my one-bed apartment Politics, that's not my department But I'll cast my vote regardless Easy, you can't change When we say DIY, especially in the punk community, I think we're quite, as, as most punks, are protective of everything. Yeah. Like, it has to be ours. When you say DIY in Hastings, do you talk about it, like, in a punk kind of ethos? Or is it kind of like, no, it's from, like, the, the hip-hop scene and also, like, I don't know if there's a funk scene or a mm. jazz scene or anything like that. Is it, like, kind of all-inclusive or was it punk? Predominantly oh no, it's, it's all inclusive. Yeah. Like there's so, we're, we're so blessed in Hastings. Like with the music scene we have there is is incredible. Um, they did a they did a the was it Gold Goldberg University? Is it Goldberg University? Goldsmiths University. Yep. Yeah, they did a they did a uh, study and uh, it it was what is the most musically sophisticated town or city in the UK and it was and it was um, Hastings. Um, and you can and you can check that out online. It's a real thing. Um, <laughs> So no, it's it's very it's all inclusive in in Hastings, and the DIY punk approach is much more of like a an ethos, I think, more than more than like a sound or uh, a genre. It's Hastings is a punk town. I think we are we are protective of what we create and stuff because because it's so hard to try and you know produce art anywhere, let alone in let alone in Hastings, and get recognised for it. So we are protective, but. We're, it's an extremely inclusive town, and um, the DIY approach is is one of uh, I think I think we share within our community, but then we don't share outside of that. Keep it keep it real. Yeah. Keep it keep it true punk. Um, is Wet Legs one of the bands you were talking about? Yeah, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> do 
Did you hear me talk about no. that? How just, did you know that? Because it's fucking obvious. Oh my god! Literally, I did an interview the other day, and I and it was uh, and I was like slagging off wet leg, and was just being like, because that gets that gets you got me started now. That <laughs> like I don't consider that punk in any way, but it gets talked about as if it's like this edgy punky music, and yeah. it's like. I see nothing relatable about singing about your fucking chase launch or whatever. I can't even <laughs> say the word. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to I want to hear music that... Like, I think of, like, like the Smiths and stuff when they hang the DJ and he says, like, you know, I can't remember what the lyric is exactly, but something about, like, listening to songs and it's not relatable at all. This, like, tells me nothing about my life. And I'm not saying every song I listen to has to, like, resound with me in that sort of way, but when I listen to bands like Wet Leg, and there are others as well, that are succeeding and doing well, and I just, like... Look at their pedigree and what, what, where they've come from and what they do, and it's and and the uh, the like the, the the amount of hype they get is it, it does annoy me like that sort of thing, but not not annoys me for me, but annoys me for like other bands who are below us who are up and coming and not getting a chance. But know. I mean that's just lazy journalism, though. I isn't agree. It? I, I think it's bands like like slave idols who who have kind of pushed the mainstream regarding what they've done, and then any band who sounds just a little bit like them they're going to yeah. go oh well these guys are punk exactly I, I, I totally agree they're a great pop band yeah. but and I, I think I Slaves are one of the most uh, influential bands for us as you could probably tell from listening to us like we grew well we didn't grow up listening to them we, we were like we were already we were like a similar age you know but they were just extremely they were just better than we were and they were and they deserved to be and like you know they were a huge inspiration for us so um, yeah a, a big shout out to Slaves for doing what they did because I feel like they you know, Idols came after that, and I feel like Slaves really opened the door. I know Idols were around a long time, but, you know, got very successful after that. And I feel like Slaves really opened the door um, to, to that, to the floodgates. And I think, like, you know, if you told me, like, we just got playlisted on Radio 1, and when you look at it, it's like Beyonce, Ed Sheeran, and it's like, we've got a song on Radio 1 playlisted called Rob the Supermarket. And if you had told me that, Two years ago, that this that this music genre will be flourishing in the way it is, that you will have a song called "Rob the Supermarket" being played by the BBC. Like I would never have believed you. So it's it's, it's going in that direction, which is great and sad at the same time because it's, it's it's beautiful to see that that music's getting a chance, but also sad because you know that music only gets a chance because people are listening to it, and the only reason people are listening to it is because they feel the same, and the only reason they feel the same is because their lives are fucking shit because it's been ruined by our government, like. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vicious circle, yeah. but if you can exploit it, of course, have it. wet leg up. <laughs> the computers and the phones and the TVs in your homes are all bugged. And every time we kick up dust, every time we cause a fuss, they call us thugs. They call us thugs. like how music kind of played in your house I, I'm interested to know like growing up if you, if you had these kind of migrants or immigrants coming to your home mm. 
were, were you listening to like were they playing music in your house mm. like was it kind of like an open music scene where maybe one moment you're, you're listening to the Beatles the next minute you're listening to some obscure uh, band that you never heard of and going oh, I dig this yeah it's so like none of my family are musicians but they're all really into music so I grew up literally listening to like the classics you know like the Beatles and everything absolutely adore them and always have um, and then it was funny actually because like some of the families I feel um, sh were showing us English bands as well. Like my mum and dad knew them, but I remember being played the specials, I think, uh, or it might have been the Clash. It was either the specials or the Clash uh, by someone who wasn't even from England. Um, and that, like, that kind of changed my life from that point as well, like hearing that. So it was, it was weird. It wasn't like they were playing like any abstract music. It was like they were, they were showing me like the English music, which was, was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, always growing up in a house with like lots of music. Or music's always playing, like you know. Um, but it was definitely, it was definitely. There's no curveballs. Like it wasn't like, well, actually, I grew up listening to like uh, Shania Twain, or like it was. It was I was listening to like the Specials, the Clash, like all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it, even as I got older, I just continued to listen to that. Met my girlfriend. She, her family are all massively into like Sex Pistols and all that. So it's it's kind of continued as I've got older and got more and more fierce, I guess. So is it that kind of traditional? No one can see me fucking do that. I did like 20 years. Is it kind of like traditional punk that you kind of really gravitated to? Or were you kind of like brought into like the rancid, the no effects, like that kind of Americanized Yeah, punk? yeah, like both to be honest. Like I, I always, I grew up with like the Clash and the Specials and everything and always loved that. Um, but then as I got older, like I think we all, uh, people of a similar age, like we all started listening to bands like Sum 41 and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, if you, if you, our pre-gig playlist is 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 that sort of music, like for fun, like you know, we'll we'll put on like Good Charlotte and Sum 41 and Blink 182 because it's it's just fun. But it was a mix of both, definitely. It was a mix of like the the more sort of heritage bands, and then and then also went into and Green Day as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I think Green Day were my. I had a bag that I uh, at school that I wrote Have a Green Day on. And I thought I was the coolest guy ever, <laughs> and uh, and I was. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, like, yeah, both, both. I lo I've always loved it. Like, it's, I've always had like a, everything. I'll listen to Taylor Swift if you put her on, do you know what I mean? Well, I was going to ask, like, did you ever go for a period where growing up, like I did, whereabouts it was like punk or nothing? I was yeah. so narrow. Whereabouts I couldn't have knowledge that All Saints were fucking yeah. amazing, actually. Well, I did some mate, good songs. Like, literally, there was a turning point where, like, I was really like that, and I was like, I like what I like, and I, no one's going to tell me otherwise, and that's it. And then I had, like, I can't remember what I did. I went to this like music talk or something when I was quite young. I was like 20 or something or 19. Um, and they, they were playing this Sia song. Uh, I think it was a Chandelier song or something. Um, and we were talking and they were saying like, you don't, you don't need to be afraid about liking this sort of music. Like music is music. And if it makes you feel something, it makes you feel something. And, and that's how I now, and that was like, that was, I remember that it was a big like revelation for me. And I just like, from now, from that point onwards, I just kind of thought like, music is there to make you feel something. And if it makes you feel sick, or it makes you feel happy or angry, or you know, wanna, wanna go crazy or smash the place up, like, then it's served its purpose, whatever, it's, whatever it was designed to do. Like, if it makes you feel something, whether that be the Bee Gees or, you know, Metallica, I, I think it, it's, it does what it needs to do. You've spoken quite a lot, and I think this story's been told a lot, so I'm not going to ask it too much, but, like, you met George and Eddie at school, and he used to kind of jam during uh, break time and stuff like that, yeah. and people used to watch you. 
were you always kind of like a performative person? Were you always kind of like, look at me, look at me, I want, I want to <laughs> yeah. be the center of attention? Yeah, I was. I'm not going to deny it. I like, um, I, do you know what? I was like, definitely like that as a kid. Um, and then as I got older, I, I was doing like, do you know what it was? I was good at it. I was good at like people, this is going to sound really big headed, but like people wanted to watch me and I, I like would do drama and music with the subjects I like, I succeeded in like at A level and stuff. But then I hated it. I like totally turned against it. I was like, didn't want to go to any of my classes. I, I guess I just like got really self-conscious about it and was like, I don't, or oh, I don't want to see people, people see me doing this and like, you know, being all dramatic. Just turned like, into a teenager, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the age of like 16, yeah. I kind of was like, oh, what am I doing? Um, and I didn't want to do music for ages. I didn't want to do music at all. And I, um, I um, wanted to explore other, avenue, other avenues and do other things and then just always kind of, when I grew up, I really wanted to do music. I really wanted to do it. That's all I wanted to do. But I didn't think I was any good. Couldn't sing, still can't. But like, at least now I, I just do it. Um, but yeah, I just like, I, I went for a big phase where I just thought, well, this isn't going to happen and I'm not going to do it. And then it wasn't until a few years later that I just realized it was the only thing I cared about. I did my first gig and that, that's it. That was the needle in the arm of like, I'm stuck now. Like, there's no feeling like that once you've done that. I'm guessing you kicked around with lo loads of other bands before you No, settled. I never did. Oh, so really? It's my okay, first yeah. and only band. Yeah, like Eddie, George and Ben have always done loads of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't, but not, not because I, I just chose not to really. Like I was so consumed in this. And especially when, I, like, when I'm doing lyrics and stuff like that, it's like, it means so much to me and it does to all of them of course like but yeah it was it was quite unusual in that respect because this was the first band i've ever been in and i've done other like little things like played with a band on a night or something but this is the only band i've ever done and it probably will be the only band i ever do do until we all make millions hate each other <laughs> and then i can afford to go do a solo thing that will be shit but like it'll be fine hey it's worth fine for liam gallagher yeah. it's interesting as you as as your band and I'm trying to avoid saying your band. As a dyslexia, your fucking band is hard to say, man. Oh, mate, our, our, our manager's a dyslexic as well. So. Capici. Capici. Yeah, yeah. Mate, never feel bad no. about getting it wrong because everyone gets it wrong and at least you've got a reason. So don't wow. you worry. <laughs> okay. So, like, with Kid Capici there. Yeah. At what point did you go then? Fuck, this is actually something. Like, this yeah. is actually going to move us forward. Like, we, we, we may still have to do jobs, but we can at least tour. And, yeah, it like, took a long time to get there. I would, like, you know... Because you've been a band since 2014, right? 2014. Yeah, well, so the thing is with that is, like, we were. We were playing together, but we weren't ever, like, we didn't care. We weren't taking it seriously. We'd play a gig at the pub, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, and we were playing, like, covers and, like, just kind of writing the odd song that was shit. Um, and then it was more like... What year is it now? 2022. I would say it was more like 2016, 17 that we actually started trying. And then I would say it was 2019 that we actually got good enough to do anything. Like, you know, like some <laughs> the bands... pandemic started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. And it's like some, some, some bands just find their sound straight away and yeah. are off are like slaves, I would say. Like, they've smashed it. But for us, it took us a long time to like get good at songwriting and it wasn't one of those things we were just like naturally blessed with like we we worked at it we got we tried really hard um, and you know if you listen to our songs from 
seven years ago, six, seven years ago. They're, they're, they're trash. Um, and it's like, you know, we, we, we honed our craft and we, we worked really hard. So I would say it was like, I would say 2019 was when I started to think this could go somewhere. Um, and then this year was when we, when we got signed and it did like, you know, it was going somewhere before that. We were doing well on our own, but this was the first year where it was like, we didn't have to work anymore. Do you know, well work, this is our job, but you know, conventionally work. It doesn't fucking feel like work. It feels like I get to do what I love every single day. So I don't consider it work, but um, yeah, I would say 2019 was when it felt like there was, uh, it felt like it could go somewhere. Quite interesting you said like now that, that you can kind of put this in fully because um, Eddie kind of said that we sacrificed everything. I'm reading from my thing now. We sacrificed everything, normal jobs, settling down. We put our lives completely on hold for our dreams. And now you, you are living that dream. How much pressure do you feel like now with this album, like you said, you're on a major and it's kind of like, this could either break or set us up yeah. for, for life. I mean, do you feel that? Like, do you feel that pressure? I'm, me personally, I'm quite good at like not really feeling that pressure. I think that's me talking about me. The rest of the guys, I think there's definitely, they feel that pressure. And I think, I think they're the normal ones for feeling that pressure. I, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Do you think that's because they've, been in bands they've done maybe bands. they've tried whereas you've kind of stepped in and gone yeah i'm all right with this like wh where it goes it goes whereas they're like we've been fucking doing this for could a could while. could well be it could well be you know like i agree with everything eddie's saying we did sacrifice everything and we have and luckily we're here where we are now but for me i it was never a question of whether we would succeed it was like how long will it take do you know what i mean yeah. like I, I was thinking well i'm not going to do anything else i'm not going to go like get a job in an office I'm not going to go and that's not me putting down jobs in offices like you know people do what you want to do like most people would hate doing what we do like it's, 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 it's a weird one but you know I just I I just I, I always thought we would get there if, if we just carried on you know and that's kind of how it was it was a question of time more than anything did you ever actually put a date on it like if we didn't make it by 2022 I was we're close done. to like the beginning of this year, I was, I think all of us were pretty close to being like, fuck this. Not because we don't love it, not because we don't love each other or the music, but because we couldn't afford to do it. Bills to pay, man. It was money. Yeah. It was, and that's the problem for 90% of bands. You know, and that's why it's sad to see like, the bands who do succeed are normally the ones who don't have money issues and then that, that feeds into the, the music. But there was a time, yeah, definitely, like at the beginning of the year, and I remember having a conversation with Eddie and uh, he was saying, he was talking to the Nova Twins um, and they were in a similar position where they were like, this is, this is so hard, this is so hard. And they got there. Yeah. And he was like, just hold on. I remember Eddie being like to me, just hold on, it's coming, sort of thing, and then it did. I want money and I want it now. I'm gonna get it and I don't care.
like because you're getting hyped in like media going the best new bands band to watch out for mm. and you're like I'm not fucking seeing this guys like what where, where yeah. what's going on was it a case that after the pandemic it was like we need to put all our eggs in this fucking basket and just go for it yeah. and see what happens it was it was I mean during the pandemic because that's how I felt like I was like right you know this is a shit time for everyone let's try and capitalise as much as we can let's put this album out let's do it ourselves because that album is like it's our debut album but it feels like this album that's coming out right now it feels like our debut album in the sense of we got to do what we wanted to do originally with the first one that first album was like 0.5 and this one this one's the proper one so we we used that opportunity to make like stamp a mark when not many people are able to release music and be like here we are yeah all right it's not the most polished thing you've ever heard but that's part of the charm um and then we were able to come and do this now like you know we, we use that to our opportunity it's easy uh, to our advantage it was very easy to feel completely screwed and defeated during that time and a lot of people did and we did you know but we just tried to make the most of it which is interesting because I'm not that much I'm not a massively like positive person I'm, I can be quite negative about stuff so the fact we got through that and turned it around the way we did was was uh, probably a testament to, to them more than more than me really that album you're talking about by the way in case people want to get it is this time next year just in case people want to yeah pick up the album uh, you spoken about that you put the album out on your own and it was very DIY, it was completely DIY. Yeah. And then the new album has been on a major. Within the punk community, I'm sure you're very aware, like there's a lot of like, ooh, punk, the major. Well, what, we what recorded it before we were signed. So it was already done. Okay. They just jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> but I mean, was that was that kind of in your thought process of like, yeah. how is this major going to look after us? What are their own like ethos themselves? Yeah, yeah. Because the, the label you signed to is like, like, like all labels are basically a, a sister of a bigger label. Yeah, absolutely. But those usually those sister labels kind of have their own kind of yeah, leeway. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You get you get the the like. The small knit team and, and, and the care from an indie label, yeah. but with the power of Universal Music or Sony or someone. And, you know, we had choices. It wasn't just a case of like, well, it's this or nothing. It was, uh, you know, we were in talks with a lot of people, very deep talks as well. Like we were, it was a, it was a U-turn at the last minute, actually, where we went with. And we went with them because we met the team and they were so into it. And we met the, the, the head of Spine Farm and uh, Jonas, and he was just so into it they fucking caught a flight from New York to come and see us yeah. and he knew every song he knew every lyric and everyone who worked at uh, Spine Farm was saying I've never seen him this excited about like I haven't seen him this excited for a long time you know that was the first flight he had caught since Covid began like it was a big big thing so it was like that was kind of the you know it felt like it was uh what, what we needed you know you, it's, it's that that close-knit family with with the money basically and uh, and the willpower of, of, a, of a major why did you feel you needed the major we didn't we just were like <laughs> can't be asked no we, <laughs> Knackered, guys. we were just like we didn't have any money and we were just like <laughs> yeah. we we were literally like it wasn't a case of like we were skint as people like we were but we've been skint for 10 years like that hadn't changed like we we were just like the band is skint because it's so expensive 
to put out a song, like, you know, and to do it at the level that we wanted to do and to do a video to the level we wanted to do and get it on radio and all of this, it's not cheap. And it's like, if we're not gonna, if we're gonna start getting worse, because we can't afford to do it, then let's stop now. You know, what's the point? What's the point if we're going to start producing stuff that we're not happy with? Um, so we needed it. It wasn't the case of, like, we want to sign to a major. It was just the case that any of the indie labels didn't really offer us anything we were interested in. They couldn't offer us anything we weren't already doing. Um, and then you, you obviously get people like the, the majors come along and they, they can offer you, their, you know, even though they're the devil, like you can't there's there's a lot of shit they can do that you can't and there's a lot of money they can give you that you can't so it's it's you know I would, I would be lying if I said money wasn't part of it money's fucking well part of it man because it's not about being greedy we're just trying to survive like, yeah I mean that's always been my kind of beef with like the punk community regarding majors like yeah. I don't know why anyone would begrudge a band making a fucking living out of what they're doing yeah of course because like, that's the live that's the dream that's the dream well, that's that we it. want and everyone it, and to have like I could understand if it was like you know a band wildly successful like trading everything in for this like multi-million pound deal but it's not like that it's it's like you're literally just trying to get enough money to survive and that's all it is and that's all we've done and it's like you know we didn't pick it because the money that was a great added bonus and it's and it's and it's put us in a position where we can fucking write better music because we're not working every single day like you know and but we still grew up in that town and still have those experiences of, like, we, you know, we, we still remember what it was like because it was only yesterday. And we still do work, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're fucking sitting there with our feet up. Like, we're, this is a job. And also, the other guys still work. I, I just don't because I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is kind of like a... It might be a bit of a difficult question to uh, answer, but, I mean, what is your biggest fear moving forward... And what is your the most exciting thing that you think could happen with this band? Good question. <clears throat> One I don't try not to think about too much. I think like I don't let myself think it's not gonna happen. But my biggest fear is knowing that like, you know, getting signed to a major, doing whatever we're doing right now isn't winning, it's qualifying, you know? And I'm aware of that. And I'm fully aware that like bands that get signed to majors and bands that get signed to any label, like one or two percent of them make it to the the upper echelons where they can do that for the rest of their lives. I'm not I'm not an idiot. Like I know that's hard to achieve. So I guess my fear is, what the hell do I do after this if if it doesn't work out? I hope I'll I'll be able to work in the music industry in in some way or another. My like that's my fear that it just doesn't doesn't happen. You know. But also at the same time, like the experiences I've had are stuff I'll never forget. Like, you know, getting to tour Europe with your best mates and like, you know, probably going to America next year and just doing all this cool stuff. It's like, you can't put a price on it. I would never change it for the world. I'd rather be 40 and broke and have these memories of like what we got to do than never have had that and be comfortable. Like, and I guess my biggest like hope is that we, this album pushes us through into a different level where other people who, you know, wouldn't usually listen to that music are listening to that music. And I just hope we just reach wider audiences. I'm not going to, I don't think we'll ever be a band that's going to headline the pyramid. But like, I want to, all I want is to just be able to be comfortable, do what I'm doing, keep writing music and, and, and be with my mates doing what we love. That, that is my biggest hope, you know. 
Pyramids of Glastonbury, by the way, for people yeah. who don't know. Yeah, not in Giza. <laughs> so, we're, we're, I mean, we're here today at the Fighting Cocks, and, and you're playing some other smaller shows to promote the album. Why do you think it's important that you decided to do that? Because in 2023, you're playing the Coco, which yeah. is a fucking big venue, like a big venue to, to sell out and yeah. perform in. Like, why has it been like, is it that DIY punk ethos of, we love small shows? Like yeah, this? 100%, they're our favorite ones to do. Like tomorrow we're doing, we sold out in, again, this sounds like a, like a, like a brag or a flex, but we sold out, um, the Delaware in our hometown, which is like one and a half, 1,500. Oh, so, so that is kind of Coco's size, actually. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we're doing that tomorrow, and then obviously we're doing this today, which is like 150. But like, there is no, there's no like motive behind it. It's just like, we just love it. We just love doing it. We'll do any gig that is worth doing, you know? And this is one of the ones where you get to meet real fans, like really hang out and get to know them. And we do, like, we're not, it's not bullshit. We do really care. Like, we really do care. Um, and that's why we get to know so many fans on, like, such a personal level and stuff. Like, that's why we do these gigs. Like, it's, uh, it's fun for us, and I think it's fun for the people watching. Last question, then. We always kind of finish up on this question. If you're going to go for a beer with anyone, distance, time, not an issue, cost, not an issue, who are you picking up the phone to go and go, hey, do you want to hang who out? Who would I pick a what? Pick up the phone and go, do you want to have a beer with? Dead or alive? People have alive. done this. Let's do a live. Okay, alive. And what, they can be famous. They can be famous. G Louis Theroux. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> How many on. people have said that before? Lots or none? No, I, trust me, because my old background, Louis has been always like the guy I've always kind of looked up to. And once I met Louis on the tube. Oh, my God. And I God. accused him of stealing my documentary idea. No! Yeah. What, did you put something out and then he done something really yeah, similar afterwards? Did, yeah. And did you genuinely Fucker. believe it as I, well? No, yeah, I was yeah. like, the guy fucking stole my idea. <laughs> what one was it? I sent it to him. It was about transgender. So I did a documentary with Laura Jane Grace from Against Me about transgender. Yeah. When she literally just came out in like 2015. Three years later, the fucker made a fucking documentary um, about transgender. And you did one about Scientology and he's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, like Cunt Liam. Yeah. Um, no, but I sent it to him because he's like such a big fan of my. I'm a big fan of him. Big fan of mine. Yeah. I'm a big fan <laughs> of his. And I wanted him to like critique it for me so I yeah. can get better. Sent it to him. He fucking stole it. Really? Bastard. Mate, I genuinely, if you sent it to him as well, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> it was so funny with him just looking at me like, what? Oh, sh who are you? Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> what? Well, just, I, uh, just yeah, take your I, picture. Get I, away. I, mate, I would change it after hearing that, but yeah, I love Louis. I love Louis, so maybe maybe Louis uh, or Hulk Hogan. Is he dead? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> he will be when I meet him. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me. Thank you so much. Been Pleasure. A pleasure I'll let you man. run away. Was going to take her to tea? The trainer called to free. A spy with lies with no surprise to me. So we took a trip. Took a trip to the death dips A roller coaster poster that we've seen And she said I spy with my little eye Bending in the track feels like I'm gonna die Hold tight and breathe in the sky This is what it's like to fly Thank you to Jack for uh, giving up his time to speak to me and also a big thanks to uh, Layla for hooking us up. It's been uh, something we've been planning for a while and it's good to finally get it sorted. Did you guess the band? Did you say Wet Legs? Did you say Wet Legs though before we actually uh, said that name? If you did, 
let me know. Go on the uh, socials, uh, at Punks and Pubs, and I will send you a sticker. Go pick up a copy of the new album, Here's What You Could Have Won. There is a link in the episode description of this podcast. Like I said at the top of the episode, want to promote your shit for free. I'm looking for sponsors for the podcast, so email punksandpubs at gmail.com to state your interest. Uh, I'll be back in a few weeks' time, but until then, if you go into a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up again. Bye-bye. One last fix.